you're listening to High Temperature Times, and we're continuing with another week of Metals March. Harbison Walker International supplies refractory products to so many different industries all across North America and the rest of the world that we just can't possibly cover them all without foregoing the opportunity to bring you news and technology updates. But we're going to try, and in order to do so, this month we are taking quick snapshot looks at some of the different applications in the ferrous and non-ferrous metals industries. To close out the month, we're bringing back Joe Rigby to talk about the lead industry. Welcome back, Joe. Hi, Griffin. Well, skip the formalities since we recently discussed you and your role at HWI earlier this month with copper, but now we're switching gears and talking lead. I got to ask, though, is the lead industry still a thing? I thought we got rid of it after my parents found out I was eating paint chips. You'd be surprised. I mean, it really boils down to batteries, okay? And surprisingly enough, and I don't know exactly why, but there's been a huge resurgence in the use of lead-acid batteries for um, cell towers. So there's monstrous amounts of very large lead-acid batteries used. And in, in, incredibly enough, the lead in these batteries are, are recyclable very easily. Up to, up to 97% of lead-acid batteries are completely recoverable so that uh, a lead-acid battery might last, say, 5, 15 years. And uh, as it breaks down and it reacts with the acid and forms a lot of lead, lead sulfate and the, eventually the, the, the electrodes wear out, they can they literally take all these batteries and they, they, the companies that recycle the lead get paid to take them because you're, you're literally saying, here, give us, we'll give you some money if you'll take these batteries. So they take uh, oh, thousands and thousands, obviously, these batteries, they crush them up and they've got a, a process set up that separates the plastic from the uh, electrodes. And what happens, basically, is they, they take the paste, they call it lead paste, which is the sulfate that forms inside the battery, and they will react it with sodium carbonate to form a lead carbonate, and that takes the sulfur out of the paste. And then they dry it into what, what it looks like the... the it looks like a composition of moon dust. And they will they will insert this into a large furnace with a big, huge screw. It's, it's amazing. It's just a big screw that pushes the um, uh, dried feed into, into a reverb furnace. And uh, it's basically a box with two huge, big oxy-fuel burners. And this is rendered down into uh, lead with the use of a bit of coke as a reductant. And the lead is recycled and uh, sent off to be made back into batteries. So... I think within, I think 60 to 70% of the lead used right now in batteries is all completely recycled. It's, uh, there's only maybe 20 or 30% of, of new lead put into the system. That sounds like a really nasty combination of bad actors uh, for the refractory. How do we balance the corrosive nature of the battery materials with the actual process of dealing with the lead in a refractory sense? It is. It is it's, it's very corrosive. Um, with, with any luck... Uh, a, a well-controlled furnace lining will last about five months. The biggest issue is these very large industrial batteries now have quite a bit of silica in them. They use um, silica separators to, to stop the growth of lead crystals between the electrodes. What happens is this silica is entrained in the feed and it's the biggest problem. So, you know, you do have a lot of lead oxide in there, obviously. You do have some sodium from the uh, desulfurization process. But it's the silica that actually at very high temperature will react with the brick and, and wash it away, just like a corrosive action. But, you know, lead oxide isn't too bad of a, a bad actor. It will penetrate the brick. It's very low melting point. 
sodium will, but it, it just so happens that right now it's the silica content of the feed the, with the high temperature flame impingement. What kind of bricks are we using that silica? We're using with all it? micron bricks, very similar to what we talked about in the copper episode. Mm -hmm. uh, we need very dense, very low porosity, and low magnesia bricks. And there's just two areas, really, that are worst, and that's the side walls near the burners and the roof. So I know it sounds a bit technical, but the, but the, the furnaces actually have what they call a suspended roof. So the bricks are literally hung from steel pins, and they're put into the furnace completely flat. The burners themselves then hit the feed, pick the feed up, and then what they do tend to, to do is impinge the feed on the roof. So what happens is the first third of the furnace where all the burners are, it wears out, but you can replace the roof brick. You can literally just bring the furnace down, turn the burners off, re replace the uh, roof brick where they're all worn out and keep going. So you might have to put maybe three sections of new roof into the furnace before the whole furnace has to come down and get fixed. And I've just told you that um, a very high intensity furnace will produce uh, 400 tons a day and will last for five months but in that period of time they have to replace the front end of the roof twice so maybe every month and a half or two months they're replacing the roof but um, they've um, you know we've, we've been working with the um, yeah. lead companies on increasing the, the, the type of bricks and the design and they're, they're relatively happy right now with, with what we're doing with them. I'm sorry, I'm hung up on the silica attack. In, in a mag chrome brick, what is the silica reacting with? Well, it's actually reacting with the magnesium. Okay. Now, the problem we have, you'd think is, well, if the silica's a problem, why not put an aluminum silicate brick in there? Because that should be more, but then you've got the lead oxide and the sodium oxide. So it will chew the hell out of, a, of, a, of, a, of an aluminum silicate brick. So you're always at the point of saying, well, uh, what is the worst, what, is, what would it be like? It's like the lowest common denominator or something of a, mm. of a chemical mm -hmm. reaction. It's impossible to put an aluminum silicate brick in there because the lead would literally go through it like a hot knife through butter. And <laughs> the sodium wouldn't help, so it would, it would just generate a lot of nice glass in there and melt the brick out. So lead oxide and sodium oxide are, tend to be pretty kind of innocuous against magchrome bricks. So what we've done is we've worked on the idea of, of reducing the amount of magnesia to a minimum amount and lowering the porosity to as, as low a porosity as we can get. So we're, we're, we're using bricks now with 125 to 13% porosity. And that at least reduces the speed of, of corrosion. When you mentioned the batteries and the, and the battery industry, I, I, I imagine that this recycling process is a continually evolving environment since battery technology is a continually evolving field. Is, is that the case with these lead acid batteries and, and the continuous development of cell towers across the U.S. and internationally? You know, that's a really good question because I really don't know. You know, I, I, all I can tell you is five years ago, I will never forget. It was almost to the same day where we started getting calls from all the lead recycling companies that we work with. And they said, our bricks are expanding. We're getting huge buildup in the gas offtake. It, it, it worked out that all everybody called at the same time and we said, what's going on? What the hell is going on? And they went, well, I don't know. We don't know. And I go, well, what do you mean? Every company called us at the same day almost. And it just so happened that seemed to be the time when all of a sudden all these huge industrial batteries from the cell towers came in and they were full of silica. 
and they were all starting to use them and they were all starting to process the same thing and they all said yeah yeah we've, we've got some problems with colloidal silica because they're using gel batteries you know and the gel itself is a silica gel and you're going well we need to know this well we have to we have to recycle them we have to yeah okay well tell us you know so they did put some side um, development technology in to start removing some of the silica but it, it's it's not it's not been very effective. So they might have taken out maybe 20, 30 percent of the silica. But you know, I'm, I'm going around all of the, the companies now, going, look, guys, we need to change the brick. You know, you, you guys have, have gone from a, a sodium-rich feed because of the desulfurization now to having excess silica because of the gel batteries. So you know, we need to look into this and look into that. So there's been actually a big change in in the um, the type of brick used over the last five, ten years. Can you give me an example of what you mean by the change of brick? Well, you see, what happened was 15 years ago, they brought in a desulfurization technology where they would mix the feed, mix the paste with um, sodium carbonate, and the, 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 the lead sulfate would react with the sodium carbonate to form sodium sulfate and lead carbonate. Well, lead carbonate isn't going to give off a lot of sulfur and be pollutant. So everybody went, that's great. So now we ended up with a lot of sodium in the feed because of the desulfurization. And we had to go to an 80% microbe break to, to, to combat the sodium. Well, now, all of a sudden, that's changed. They've, they've figured out a way of taking the sodium out of the feed, but they're getting extra silica in there. So the, the complexion or, or the nature of the feed changed dramatically. And to them, it was just, no, we're just getting more of the sodium out and we're, we just happen to be getting more silica because of the gel batteries. And the, the really interesting thing is, Griffin, think about it. The slag formed in a, in a, a lead reverb could be 58% of, of, the, um, of the slag could be lead oxide. And I'm going, wow, that's incredible. And then I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no. The density of lead oxide is so high that if, if the slag is 54% by weight... It's probably only 10% by volume. And you sit back and go, oh my God, so 3% or 4% of silica is actually 15 yeah. to 20% by volume. And it just clicked on my head and I went, who cares about the by weight? It's by mole, it's the by mole. It's the chemistry of the slag is completely mm. different when you do it by volume from when you do it by, by weight. So, you know, I was going around telling them, look, your silica's gone up 3%. Well, what's that? That's nothing. Yes, it is, <laughs> because if you work it out, your lead is only 10% of the, of the volume, but now the silica's maybe gone up from 5% to 20%. You know what I mean? Because of the difference in density. So that it was a really kind of weird thing where I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, you know, this is nuts. We, we've got to think about this a bit clearer. So it's worked out well for us, though, because we, we've basically gone in and had the opportunity to figure out what the problem is, go in to the customer and say, look, this is your problem. Try this brick. And then they try the brick and go, yeah, it's working better. Are you still using the 80%? We went away from, completely got rid of the 80%. And now we use a, like a 48% magnesite. Okay. But it's very low porosity. It's like 125 or 13% porosity, which makes a huge difference to reaction rates. You know, you're not, you're, not absorbing, you're not absorbing the material as easily into the porosity, you know. So it's been fascinating. It's, it's been fascinating. And I, I feel like we're lucky to have been able to get in on the, on the changes. It's a, it's a really awesome story and a great testimonial for the value of an application specialist, right? 
Well, thank you, Joe, again, for an excellent chat. I can honestly say that I learned a lot here. Refractory technology in the lead recycling process is like a hidden industry within the hidden industry. Really great stuff. I hope you all enjoyed this Metals March and learned about HWI's involvement in the many facets of ferrous and non-ferrous processing. If you'd like to learn more about lead recycling or anything mentioned in the show, reach out to us at technical-marketing at thinkhwi.com. That wraps up our month, but be sure to subscribe to High Temperature Times to be notified of our next episode next month. Thanks for listening.